Now, now, how many have any of you ever heard his haircut song? Okay, we've got th- two people here. You need to go listen to it. Uh, but he has a haircut song where he talks about when you get a haircut, be sure to go back home. When you get a haircut, get a barber you have known. And he talks about all of his experiences getting haircuts at different places and how interesting those places were. And he, he makes the statement several times that he just kind of felt out of place. Any of you ever felt out of place anywhere? You walk into somewhere, and, and I'm not saying, you know, don't, this is not spiritual yet. We'll get spiritual in a moment. But you just walk somewhere, and that's not where you belong. Anybody know how that is? You know, uh, it, it, there, there's just some places that, that I just feel about as out of place as a screen door on a submarine. It just doesn't uh, work that way. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about finding your place. Finding your place. I was looking in uh, Wiki Answers, and I don't know that that's the best place to search for answers. It's connected to Wikipedia, but, you know, hey, there you go. And, and they had an article, How to Find the Meaning of Life in Eight Steps. So I want to read that to you. This was their uh, idea of how to find your place in life. Are you ready? Number one, find out how inquisitive and trusting you are. Number two, let go of language. Number three, to bring meaning to your life, you must be able to perceive it without language. Number four, seek without purpose. Number five, know that the universe is under no obligation to conform to your expectations. Number six, know that your life and civilization is a construct, not a law of nature. Number seven, understanding yourself, the universe, and your place in society. It will be easy to find meaning because you will determine what is meaningful. And number eight, find out how you fit into this life. You are a piece of the puzzle. Most of us live a life of imagination, and when reality hits us, we become disappointed, and you lose the meaning of life. Can I join with you all and say, what? Huh? Huh? Not exactly sure how you get to that place. But that was somebody, at least one person believes that's how they find their place in life. Now this has nothing to do with my sermon, what I'm about to say, but how many of you have noticed how just intrusive Facebook and internet in general is that uh, I'm convinced that it reads my mind because I will think I want to go to Bass Pro and instantly there'll be a Bass Pro ad pop up. Uh, I'm convinced it hears us, it sees us, it understands it, it has its own mind. And so this has nothing to do with my sermon, but as I was searching and looking at that at one point, a series of ad pops up. There were three ads in a row. Now, this is what it said. And Brother Perryman, I'm, this is as real as I can be. The first ad was, do you want to be a minister? Okay, the second ad was take this depression test and the third ad was become a pastor. (laughs) I didn't know whether to take it, run, but whatever. That has nothing to do with what I want to talk about, but it was just funny it stuck there. God has a place for you. 
We live in a world today where a lot of people feel out of place. They feel like they don't belong. They feel like they don't fit in. They don't connect. And, 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 and if, if you begin to search that phrase, finding your place, uh, you, you put it in Google, you will find everything from that wiki answer article that just makes no sense all the way to incredible articles on, on mental health and finding your place and what to do when you don't feel like you connect. But I'd like to just remind you and I today that God has a place for you. And, and I hope, now again, I know my, I'm very cognizant of my audience tonight. I realize that. All right. If you get off work, get out of school, and you come to church on a Wednesday night, you are committed to some things of God. Okay, I get that. Uh, we don't get a whole ton of, of brand new visitors that's never picked up a Bible on Wednesday night. So I understand who I'm talking to. But, but first off, in order for you and I to realize that, you, that, that God has a place for you, you've got to start at the beginning and find out what it was. And the simple fact is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And, and I, you, you keep walking through all of that. When you get to Genesis chapter 2, it says that the heavens and earth were finished, the host and all of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. He rested on the seventh day from all of his work. And he blessed the seventh day. And he sanctified it because in it, he had rested from all of his work, which God created and made. And then it begins to kind of just tell a few things that he made. But then it says, and the Lord God, verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. I, I, that mental picture is one of the most incredible mental pictures I can wrap my mind around. That God reaches down everything else in creation, God spoke into existence. But for man, for you and I, God reached down and he got his hands dirty. And he created out of the dust, the clay, the mud, the muck, he created a statue, if you will. It looked like man. But there was no life in it. Then God bent down and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. That is what separates you and I from all else of God's creation. Regardless of Walt Disney's movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven, regardless of what you believe, Sister Stacy, about little Coco and all of that, I ain't exactly sure if Fido and Rover's going to be in heaven or not. Okay, But this I do know. They may have life, but they don't have the soul. The soul is something that only those that God has breathed into gets. That's why the Bible says he didn't become a living being. He didn't become a living thing. The Bible is very specific. He became a living soul. And it's that soul within us that craves the things and the relationship of God. Man became a living soul. And then verse 8, here's the key. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted, and it went to four heads. Again, the Bible does not say things haphazardly. Now, this is my opinion. You can 
believe it, I, it really don't matter, but in my, in my understanding, in my opinion, when God created the earth, he created the whole earth. So I don't know if he created the seven continents or if they were together at some point and then broke apart. I'm not exactly sure how all that works, but I know there was an entire earth that he created. That the one you see in the NASA pictures that turns. A world today that we know expands from North and South America and Europe and Asia and Africa and Australia and, and, and Antarctica and has all of that. But when God created man, he didn't just fling him out into the expanse of the earth. God prepared a place. And in preparing a place, he gave Adam and Eve everything they would need. He, he didn't just, now, he, he did later on. He says, go and populate the earth. I mean, there's a lot of things there. But he made them a place. They were there. Everything should have been good. Man had found his place in God's presence, had found his place on earth. They walked with God. They communed with God. Everything was perfect and incredible. And you know the story. Sin enters. Satan lies. Uh, uh, you know, Eve eats of the apple. Adam eats of the, of the apple. And, and I know it's not really an apple, but that's how I say it. And uh, sin entered. The consequence of sin drove man away. And here's the thing. Man got out of place with God. The, the old hymns talk about the great gulf that doth span between God and man. The chasm that separates us. We were out of place. The world was fractured. And it's not just man and his relationship. It was man and how he relates to the world. Now there's thorns on the roses and thistles. And you got to dig in the ground to try to scratch out an existence. And, and, and women have uh, childbirth pains. And it's going to be hard. And everything was out of place. This is why later on in the scriptures... The Bible says that creation groans waiting for the day that God returns and sets things back into place. We're out of place. It's not the first time that some of God's creation had been out of place. If you go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, a portion of history that is assumed to have taken place before the creation of the earth. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. There's this understanding that a third of the angels, along with Lucifer, rebelled against God and tried a, a, a heavenly coup. God kicked them out. And they were out of place. When you're out of place, you tend to wander. When you're out of place, you tend to just not really find anything to fit in. And you just kind of go here and there. Which, by the way, is why the Bible says the Satan is a, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When, when Job uh, is, is fixing to get tempted and, and, and tried by Satan. The Bible says that Satan walks into the, the, the throne room of God and says, I have been walking over all of the earth and what Satan was doing is I'm out of place. I don't really have anywhere I can go so I'm wandering but I found somebody that has a relationship with God and I think I can knock him out of place. But sin gets us out of place. And so it is that the definition for out of place means something that is inappropriate or incorrectly applied. 
it's a setting where one feels that they just don't belong. Now, all of us here, I mean, I think we're living for God. We're trying to do our best. You, you understand that. But here's the thing. My nature should not be sinful because God didn't create me that way. God created me in his image. God created me to be like him. I shouldn't, when I wake up in the morning, I shouldn't have to fight the thoughts that run through my mind. When I go to bed at night, I shouldn't have to feel that nature that's constantly being pulled to the evil. And I've made this statement as long as I've been preaching. It's very simple to know that we're out of place because we don't have to teach our children how to sin. They know how to lie without ever being told. They know how to, how to do wrong. And so we, we shouldn't be pulled into sin. But the thing is, I'm out of place. So it was Eve that allowed her nature to get all out of whack and Adam who followed her. It, it's, it goes so far into... You know, uh, it's Cain who is so out of place and out of sorts that he kills his own brother. It's Noah in his time when the Bible says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. That's out of place. Man woke up and everything man thought about with the exception of Noah, I guess, was what can I do bad today? Pretty close to where we are right now. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah built an altar. And, or, you know, after, the, after the, the flood and they came out, Noah built an altar and he, he offered on it a sacrifice. The Lord smelled the savor of that. And, and, you know, there was a connection, but yet still it wasn't perfect. But God has a place for you. In an out of sorts, an out of whack world, in a life that, that is drawn to sin, in a life that our very nature seems to be so magnetically attracted to the things of this world, God has a place for you. Maybe, maybe I'm preaching to the choir for just a moment. I'll get to the saints here in a minute. But maybe I'm just preaching to those that have already done it. But I love the way the Bible records a certain moment in Moses' life. That Moses in Exodus chapter 32, kind of after they, they had made the calf and God had plagued the people and God called Moses back up. But Moses said in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 32, Moses said to the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people. Thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy, the way that I may know thee and that I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is my people. God said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Moses said, well, if your presence does not go with us, then don't bring me up to here. I, I want it to be known that I and all of these people have found grace in thy sight. I want to know that you're going with us. I want to know that. And Moses said, show me your glory. And so God says, okay. The Lord said, I will make my goodness pass before thee. 
I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, show mercy on whom I show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. But watch what the Lord said in verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place beside me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Now I'm taking that one verse way out of its intended hermeneutical approach but the understanding is God says to Moses I know you and your people are out of place you feel out of place because you've left Egypt you're in the middle of a wilderness you're, you're trying to get back into a relationship with a God that you really don't know it's been 400 years since you've really connected with him I know you feel out of place but Moses I got a place for you right beside me I got a place of salvation for you. Psalms 18:2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. There is a place for you on his rock. Psalms 18 continues to say, he says, who for who is God save the Lord and who is a rock save our God. It's God that girds me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hinds feet and sets me on the high places. It's Psalms 18.46 there's a kind of a, a, a parallel that keeps going throughout Psalms 18. The Lord liveth blessed be my rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Psalms 27 continues this rock uh, analogy. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? It goes on to say, in the time of trouble, he'll hide me in a pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. I want you to understand, God has a place for you. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter uh, uh, what you think the world is doing. It doesn't matter if you feel out of place. You need to know that God is saying, I got a place right here beside me. Right here, I've got a place for you. It's Psalms 40. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me. And he heard my cry, and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. God has a place for you. And the first thing I would tell anybody that feels out of place is, have you gotten to the place God wants you at? You know, if, if, if you walked into a, a place, and I don't know, maybe your high school reunion or something, been a long time 25 years 30 years since you've seen a bunch of them and kind of feel out of place you're not exactly sure what you're going to do you don't know who you're going to connect with you feel out of place and then you you find there in the back one of your old friends and they say hey I've got a place right here and if you don't take that opportunity then you don't have any right to say I feel out of place because God says in this out of place out of whack world I got a place right beside me. A place of salvation, a place of holiness, a place of, of reconnection where I can create in you a new heart, a new mind, a new soul. So God has a place for you. But I'd like to take that a step farther because I look out at a lot of people that are in the right place. If I started handing the mic around to you, you could begin to say, hey, 
I, I was this old. I, was, I remember when I went down in the waters of baptism. I remember when God filled me with the Spirit. And I'm, I'm, I'm back into relationship with God. No longer does my soul crave the world. But now as I walk each day closer with Him and walking farther in this journey with Him, I realize now my soul is starting to incline to the things of God because I'm in the right place. I'm in the right, I, you know, things aren't out of whack anymore. Now I can wake up and my thoughts are not on evil continually, but now I can wake up in the morning and say God is my light and my salvation. I can go to bed at night and say the Lord was with me today. I can wake up in the morning and say blessed be the name of the Lord. I can wake up in the morning and says his mercies endure forever because I'm in the right place. But I also like to tell you, that not only does God have a place of salvation for you, God has a place for you in his kingdom right now. In fact, even before you were born, God knew exactly what he wanted to do with your life. Not just save you. In fact, it was Jeremiah that it was said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And while that is absolutely for, uh, 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 for Jeremiah's life, I believe the same can be said of anyone. Before Brandon Paul Buford was even a gleam in my parents' eyes, God knew who I was going to be. God said, I got a plan for you. I got a place for you. It's not just a place of salvation, but I got a place in my kingdom. And, and I'm here, to, this is where I'm talking to you. The salvation part is just getting us there. And, and if you're here today and you're out of place, you're not, you, 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 you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, then I want to encourage you, get into that place with God. It's kind of like the eunuch in the, in the wilderness that Philip came up and got on the, the chariot after he preached a little bit the word of God the, 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 that uh, uh, Ethiopian said hey here's water what doth hinder me to be baptized I'm telling you today what doth hinder you to find your place in the salvation of God but let me talk to you here today that you've been saved you've, you've felt that salvation you feel like you're in a right spot but yet even in that salvation you feel out of place perhaps Maybe not where you need to be. And I'd like to tell you today that God has the desire, God has the ability, and God has the authority to put you back into place. Now, <laughs> I, I could use that phrase two different ways. You ever had somebody put you in your place? You were just a little bit out of, out of, out of, out of place, out of line. Somebody put you back in your place. I've had that before. And can God do that? Absolutely. God can thump harder than any mom or dad in the world. God can absolutely put you in your place. And if you don't believe that, you need to go read Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and maybe a few other minor prophets and find out how far God is willing to go to put Israel in their place. I'll put you under bondage and captivity. I, I, you know, you, 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 you'll eat your own children because of the sieges around. God says, I'll put you in your place. But today, I'd like to tell you, God doesn't always just want to put us in our place, but God wants to put you in place. He has the authority to put you. In fact, Romans chapter 9 and verse 21 says, Hath not the potter power over the clay 
of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and the other unto dishonor. And what if God, willing to show his wrath to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he hath afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but of the Gentiles. I mean, first off, we're just talking a little bit about the sovereignty of God. God does whatever God wants to do. When the potter begins to make a vessel, he picks up that lump of clay and he decides whether he's going to make a chamber pot or he's going to make something that the king can drink out of and you don't want to get those mixed up, just in case you're wondering. For those of you youngins that don't know what a chamber pot is, ask your parents. But, but there's a, a vessel of honor. A vessel of honor. God in his sovereignty, he knows you and he knows exactly what he wants to do with you and where you are. And if God creates you and says, I've created you to be a cup fit for the king, and you're not in that place, your life has wandered a bit far, you're not usable, God doesn't just throw you away. Jeremiah saw the potter and he saw that for his own eyes. He said, God doesn't throw us away. God instead has the ability to... to take you and mold you and make you. Examine the life of, of, of Paul, of Saul. Uh, if you have your Bibles, this is one that I, I, I actually read this today and, and after kind of had the sermon prepared, I had to go back and write this in it. Uh, but in, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 12, says, I thank him, and I'm reading English Standard now, I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ our Lord. Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to a service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. I find it very interesting. In, and, and the King James bears this out. You can see it behind me. The King James bears it out. That he said, I was a blasphemer. Well, I, I thought blasphemy was the, the unforgivable, unpardonable sin that God throws us away. But Paul says that might not exactly be the case. I can go so far. I can be so out of whack. I can be so out of place. First off, God put him in his place. God knocked him off his high horse, literally. Knocked him on the dirt of that road to Damascus. Blinded him. Yelled at him. Got him to understand, you're messing with the wrong God. But then God brought him to a place, brought him into a place of God's kingdom. He said, I want to use you, Saul. You, 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 have, you have killed Christians. You have persecuted Christians. You have done everything you can to mess up this, this, this new birth experience. But Paul, I'm going to give you another chance. You have a place in God's kingdom right now, and I've got a place for you. Now, it, <laughs> Paul was baptized. Paul received the Holy Ghost, and immediately Paul took that zeal that would carry him to, to lock people in jail, and he turned that zeal to working for the kingdom of God. And it messed up that first time that Paul went into a, 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 a Christian gathering. Can you imagine? 
the last thing you heard of Paul was he had a whole bunch of letters and handcuffs and he was sending people to be jailed and stoned and beheaded and now he's sitting on the front row and the preacher gets up and says, well, we got Brother Paul right here. I want him to come up and preach to us. This is what they begin to say. (laughs) I don't know if he has a place in the kingdom of God. But God has a place for you. In fact, it's... It's Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of mind. Verse 4 says, for we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy or ministry or teaching or exhortation or giving or uh, uh, ruling or mercy or cheerfulness or love. All of those says you have a place in the kingdom of God, and we don't all do the same thing in the kingdom of God. I'm thankful for my ten fingers thankful for my Tim toes. I'm thankful for my two knees and my two ears. and I'm glad I have all these parts, but I'm kind of glad I'm not just one big nose. I'm glad God didn't give me hands for, I mean feet for hands. I'm glad he, he understands. It's okay. The, the human body is many members. Can I tell you today, God has a place for you in his kingdom. You say, but pastor, I don't, I don't want to preach. That's okay. That might not be your place, but God's got a place for you. He didn't save you just to put your name on the roll for you to twiddle your thumbs until Gabriel blows that golden trumpet. God has a place for you right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being membered are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit... Are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free? We've all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Does the foot say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body? Does the ear say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body? If the whole body was an eyeball, how would you hear? And if the whole body was an ear, how would you smell? I'm kind of paraphrasing the word of God right there. But God hath set members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. God has a place for you. In your ear, there are three tiny bones. Somebody help me out. It's the stirrup, the anvil, and the hammer. You've got three little bones. In the, in the, I think it's 206 bones, I believe, one of you... Uh, is that right? Is that how many bones we have in the body? I believe it's 206. If, you know, the, the leg bone, the tibia, and, the, and, 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 and th- those are some massive bones. The hip bones and the skull, those are pretty impressive. But you take that little bitty anvil out of your ear and say, we don't need it. And you would no longer be able to hear. God has a place for you. God says in, in verse or in verse 22 continuing nay much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary 
and those members of the body that we think to be less honorable. Upon these we bestow a more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part that lacked. For there should be no uh, schism in the body that members should have but, but that the members should have the same care for one for another. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. God has a place for you. I uh, tapped Brother Tuttero on the shoulder. He's got his Liberty High School shirt on. He teaches track, teaches other things there in the high school. And, you know, if, 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 if one of those guys, I don't know if you do shot put there, but if they're going to do shot put, you know, you put that, that I think, eight-pound ball in your hand and there's, uh, you know, a technique to it and you let it go. But if you're watching it, it seems to all be focused on the arm. But when they hang that metal around that body, that little toe can say, look what I did. The arm doesn't have the ability to say, well, little toe, you don't have a place here. No, it took all of it. And I'm here today to tell you God has a place in the kingdom of God for you. He didn't save you for nothing. Yeah, in the, for 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 28, and God had set some in the church, first apostles and secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles and gifts of healings and helps and governments and diversities of tongue. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. Because God has a place for us. And I love when you find your place in his kingdom and you do what God has called you to the best of your ability and to the best of God's ability in you. On Sunday mornings, most Sunday mornings, I'm standing behind this pulpit and I'm preaching my guts out. But I'm well aware that there are Sunday school teachers down below me that are so vitally important because they have a place. That on a Wednesday, there are ladies that gather here on Wednesday morning and they pray and they have Bible study and I'm well aware that's their place. That's that what, what, what you ladies do that are able to come. When we have prayer meetings and our young people are, 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 are ministering in youth service and we have a Bible quizzing team and ladies groups and whoever's running the computer on that day and who's ever playing the guitar or the piano, you've got a place. God has a place for you and I'm encouraging you. As much as you seek to find your place of salvation, as much as you were when you were a sinner saying God I'm out of place and I need to find my place in you and God says here come up to this rock I got a place for you you need to now ask this question Lord what is my place in your kingdom because I have a place I have a place Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 and speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, of whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let me say that in Buford's English. If you are in your place in the body of Christ and if you are doing the work that God has called you in the body of Christ then the whole body is better the whole body is better because you are in place any of you uh, 
as you get older get up in the morning and things just aren't in place no longer do you eat the cereal you are the cereal snap, crackle and pop takes a minute for everything to get in place you don't wake up in the morning and just at least I don't maybe y'all do I don't I don't get up in the morning and put my feet on the floor and then go run a couple miles I don't know that I'd make it out of my bedroom before something broke but let everything get warmed up let everything get into place and watch what I can do the body of Christ finding your place in his kingdom is one of the most vital things you can do it's not enough just to find your place in salvation but find your place in the kingdom God what can I do because God has a place for you today and I would be so inclined to tell you that if you say pastor I've, I've prayed I'm not exactly sure how I find my place well I think a shepherd the things a shepherd can do is help you discern what God is trying to say and I'd love to help you do that but I'd be bereft as you stand with me tonight I'd be bereft if I stopped just here on earth because if you know your Bible some of you have already figured it out in your mind as soon as I begin to say you got to find your place you got to find your place in my mind you begin to quote John chapter 14 let not your heart be troubled for if you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a come on help me out I go to prepare a place for you and if it were not so I would have told you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. I'm here today to tell you, God has a place for you to get you back in line with Him. To not be out of whack and out of place as we are when we have sinned and come short of the glory of God and allowed sin to separate us from God. But in that salvation, God brings us back into relationship with Him. God brings us back into place. And then God has a place today right now in his kingdom one day we'll find that ultimate place when he calls us home he says I've gone to prepare a place for you I know he's did, did you know again just kind of maybe using my imagination but I kind of think right now there's a mansion that God knows me exactly and it's got my name on the door I don't know maybe he's even decorated it the way I like maybe a few deer heads and fish up there I don't know there's no death in heaven so maybe not deer heads but you know but he knows you and he says I got a place for you again it's not just saying hey I got heaven y'all come on up God says I got a place for you because God is a God of order a God of of, of, of just he knows where everything needs to be and God knows you I wonder if you could just close your eyes right where you are for just a moment as they maybe sing a chorus or two but somewhere in this sermon, I know the Word of God begin to grab hold of you and begin to speak to you. And the Bible says we have to be hearers of the Word and doers of the Word. You've heard the Word for the last 30 minutes. Now I ask you, what, do you go, what are you going to do with that? 
What is it that you need to do? Where do you need to find your place? Are you out of sorts because of sin and you need salvation? Are you wandering and you need a place where God